Well, we want to welcome you this morning, especially if you're, you're visiting. Uh, you, you're here for the wrap-up of a, of a sermon series. We've been talking about the, the Lord's Prayer, and um, you're going to get the whole sermon series in one hour, so you, you're better off than the folks that have had to deal with six weeks of it. But, um, but we, have been, we have been trying to, to, to take this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when they came up and said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? This is, this is his response. And so we've been trying to, to take a look at that as a way of how we can in, uh, grow in our own Christian lives. The, the symbol change on your name tag, that's more than just a visual change. We have, we've been sort of moving in a direction since last uh, spring. We, we have a vision and an idea of what God is trying to call us to do and be, and we are, we're headed in that direction. Uh, the, there is a visual change, but there is much more than that happening in the congregation. There is a wave of God uh, building momentum of, of reaching out to, to this neighborhood and, and even around the world, uh, ministering his grace and love. And we, we want to be a part of it. And we said, what better place to start than with prayer? If, if we can get the prayer right, if we can get our relationship with him, if we can get the communication with God right, then we will be on much better footing for, for whatever direction he's taken us. So uh, I, I want to first apologize to Carly. She's with the Confirmation Kids right now. As I was doing this series, I lined it up, and, and I had it planned out for a while. And then when we had the mission trip, I started looking at it. And I had to go in the office one day, and I was like, Carly, uh, the week that you're speaking is on evil and sin, so I'm sorry. Uh, that's like the hardest line out of the prayer to deal with, and I stuck her with that, and I really don't feel bad for it. I just, uh, <laughs> but she did an excellent job with it, and I uh, just want to thank her for, uh, for filling in for me last week. We, we went to Guatemala. We had a group of 11 guys go to Guatemala. You'll see some pictures and stuff in the future about that, but we appreciate your prayers. Uh, Stephen Pam uh, English, who are the um, missionaries down there. Uh, send their greetings. The kids in the school and the kids in the home send their greetings. And uh, uh, we just had a, a fantastic uh, time, and it was a good experience for all of us that went. And uh, we just want to thank you for your support and your prayers in that. Well, let's, let's sort of wrap this together. Let's, let's sort of review where we've been. And I'm going to need your help with this because I have a hard time pulling these lines out of thin air for myself. Uh, we start with our Father who art in heaven. Okay. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That, what we talked about with that is this, this dichotomy, this, these opposites of, of God who is other, God who is mighty, God who is powerful, God who is awesome, God who, did, who owes us absolutely nothing. God who should be disappointed with us because of his holiness, because of his perfectness. God who has the ability to, to speak and things are brought into existence. That God matched with a God who comes near us. A God who offers himself in relationship. A God who says, even though I am powerful and mighty and holy, I give you the opportunity to call me friend and father. Understanding that, that miracle, 
that that powerful, awesome God knows my name, knows my heart, cares what's going on in my life, invites me to share the burdens with him. Recognizing that because of his power and his might and his awesomeness, that maybe we ought to follow his direction, not our own. Thus we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Next line. See, it's hard to just pull it out of there, isn't it? You have to sort of run through it in your head. Oh, do, 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 do. Give us this day our daily bread. We reminded ourselves that it is not wrong to pray for things. Now, if, if you get stuck in, in just always praying for yourself, just always praying about selfish needs, if you get mad at God because he doesn't give you the things you want, then we have a different discussion. But God invites us. It's clear through the gospels. It's clear through the parables that Jesus told. It's clear through the instruction he gave to the disciples. We just sang a song from the scripture, from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We are invited to bring our needs to God. He's the one that created it, us after all. He knows you get hungry. He knows you get lonely. He knows you get sad. He knows you get depressed. He, he made you. So what better place to take our needs than to the one who was the author of our lives? We also talked about you can bring whatever you want to God, but because he is a loving father, because he is all-powerful and all-wise, sometimes the answer is no. And that doesn't mean he doesn't love us. It just means that he cares about us and he has a better idea of what we need than we do. And we shouldn't get upset with God when the answer is no. We should thank him for protecting us. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The whole idea of this relationship with God is that as it flows from him, the things that we receive, his love, his grace, his mercy, as they flow into us, we are not supposed to just hold them for ourselves. They are supposed to benefit us. And then as we, as we grow in that, we turn that loose on the world. What, how hypocritical would it be to, to say, I want God to forgive me, but I'm not going to forgive someone else who has wronged me. We talked about that's not easy. That's a difficult thing to do. There's a, that takes a process a lot of times, but that's the, that's the goal. That through God's help, we learn how to forgive people just the way God has forgiven us. That we don't hang on to that anger. We don't hang on to that resentment because it doesn't do anything but kill us anyway. That we turn it over to Him. We allow God to be God. And we, we share with others what God has shared with us. It comes from the, from the great commandment that in order to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, we also have to love our neighbors as ourselves. Those two things are tied together. Then what Carly talked about last week, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Those are two of the most Part of it is our translations lead us into wrong temptation. That, that, that is sort of a misguiding translation. The idea behind it is, is that this world is hard. There are things that happen all the time. You are going to deal with difficulties. You are going to deal with temptation. It's just all around you. What the prayer is, is 
It's more about, God, as I'm in temptation, don't let it get the best of me. Don't allow me into a situation where I'm not going to be able to be victorious. Don't protect me from, from falling away from you. Any of you ever been in that place where something bad happened in your life and you turned away from God because of it? Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe that's happened to some friends you have. Bad things happen all the time. Our relationship from God doesn't protect us from those, but what it does is it gives us a power source to rely on to get through them. To lead us not into temptation, God doesn't lead us any, in any bad area. All good things come from God. He, he is perfect. He is holy. He is just. There is no evil that emanates from God. It is completely against his character. It just cannot happen. The better translation was, is God as you're leading us, Keep me from falling into my temptations. Keep me from, from stumbling into a place that's going to take me where I don't want to go. And on top of that, the thing that complicates that is it's not just us that we're battling. There is a battle that goes on here, but there is also an evil one that we are battling against. And if you don't believe in that, you can have that belief all you want, and someday when you meet him, you'll know I was right. And you can, and, and, and there's two things. I mean, we had the Pentecostal church that talks about them way too much and gives them too much power. And then we have the mainline church that we try to ignore him and pretend he's not there. But all you have to, if you don't believe in evil, if you don't believe in the devil, if you don't believe in sin, if you don't believe in original sin, go volunteer in the nursery for one afternoon. Okay? I know, I'm sorry, those moms... But if you've never experienced a two-year-old child, then I can understand you're not believing in an original sin. But if you've had children, you know that there is sin in the world. I remember our girls over and over and over. You'd say, no, no. Even six, they're crawling. They touch the TV buttons and everything. And you say, no, do not do that. And they look. There's evil in the world. Okay. That's the nice things they do. And you know your heart too. But there is an evil, there is a battle that we go through. And what happens when we fall into temptation, the evil one seizes on those opportunities. And he begins, the, the Bible, the terms for him have to do with deceiver, with liar. He tries to take the reality of God and twist it so you won't believe it anymore. We, we use some prayer journals this, this month. We passed out some prayer journals. How many of you had perfect every day with that? Yeah, me either. I can't raise my hand either. And you know what happens with that? If we're not careful, the evil one will seize upon that opportunity. And you made a commitment, you were going to do that, and then you miss one day, and then you miss the next day, and then you go to pick it up the next day, and there's this voice that goes off in your head that says, oh, you think that's going to make it up with God? He's already written you off. You're, you're the spiritual leader of the church, and you can't even pray in your journal every day. Wow. Hope people don't find out about that. You really think God can love you with an attitude like that? That's, that's the evil one. And if we're not careful, that temptation to listen to that voice pulls us away from God. That's why we pray, deliver us from the evil one. Scriptures are full of Flee from evil. Stay away from, from the things that would lead you wrong. The devil is like a lion waiting to pounce. On, there, the scripture is full of warnings. 
And that's what that line in the prayer has to do with, which brings us to the, to the final line. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Unless you have an older uh, version Bible, that, um, that is not even in the scripture in Matthew or Luke. That was added to the text. It's not to, uh, in the original manuscripts, and so most of the modern translations leave it out. But the reason we're going to talk about it this morning is because even though it was an ad, probably added by some of the scribes as they were copying the manuscripts as a way to sort of close that out, it, it became sort of tradition to close it out with that. Even though it wasn't included in those manuscripts, it is included all through the scripture, those themes. That God has a kingdom, that he has power, and that he has glory. In essence, what this is, is justification of why we should do the rest of what we've just gone through. Why should we trust God with our lives? Why should we trust Him as Father? Why should we try to do His will and not our own? Why should we, why should we trust Him to meet our daily needs? Why should we put our faith in Him for, for bread, for food, for sustenance? Why should we be willing to forgive others in his name? Why should we look to him for forgiveness? Why should we trust him to deliver us from evil? This is the statement, this is the statement that wraps that all together. I apologize. I don't know what the deal is. This is a statement that wraps that all together for us. Why do we trust him? It's because thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We're going to talk about that. What does that mean? What, the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Again, this are, these are themes that go all through the scripture over and over and over. We are reminded that God is powerful. In fact, in this same book that we're taking this prayer from, the, the Gospel of Matthew, a repeated theme in it, you read the line over and over and over, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is near. I am establishing a, a reign over you. I'm establishing a place. I have a direction. I am taking history, he says over and over again. In the book of Revelation, in the first introduction to that Jesus says I am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end I am the author of everything there is nothing that is there that I am not a part of I am in creation I, I, I am above creation I made creation I I came before all things I'll be here before long after all things are gone I have a kingdom I have a direction you can trust me. We're still living out in the midst of, of all of this thing. We're, but the book of Revelation gives us the, the security of knowing that we have nothing to fear because the battle's been won. The kingdom of God will reign. There will be justice. There will be righteousness. There will be holiness. There will be perfectness. Things will be restored to the original intent 
There will be no more sin. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. There will be no more separation from God. We will be his people. He will be our God, and we will look at him face to face. If you want to see where that's at, Revelation chapter 21. You can read it when you get home. But there is a kingdom that God is establishing. We can be a part of that kingdom. We can be a part of the, the, the thing that he's trying to build up on this earth. We can be a part of that. And because of his power, because of the things that he is able to do, that's why we can trust him for all those things in our life. For that is the kingdom and the power. We have talked about his power over and over again. This guy that can just snap his fingers. Oh, I'd like to have a son, please. Boom, there it is. I'd like to separate the earth from the waters. There's planets. I'd like some stars in the sky. There's billions and billions of souls that we still have no idea about. Power. Ultimate power. He is not limited by the things we're limited in. He does not get confused. He does not get scared. He does not get surprised. There is not one thing that happens. The hurricane this week was not a big surprise to him. He's not worried about it. He is concerned for the people. He wants us to respond on his behalf. We are, after all, his hands and feet. He cares about the people. He cares about the situations, but he wasn't surprised by the weather forecast. He wasn't watching Jim Spencer going, oh, I wonder if it's going to come through Corpus. or it. He's not surprised by any of that. He knows all things. He has all power. I want to share with you a passage. It's uh, Romans chapter 8, and this isn't in the, uh, on the screen. Because every once in a while I do things that aren't planned, but like not being able to find Romans chapter 8. There we go. What happens in our lives, I think, as people are trying to pray, as people are trying to become Christians, the thing that happens to us is we wonder if God really cares. And there's bad teaching out there, and there's experiences and stuff that make people sort of end up thinking that God can't really deliver on the things he says. Maybe you've, had, you've lost a spouse. Maybe you lost someone who care, you cared about. Maybe you went through a horrific marriage where you suffered abuse. Maybe your father or your mother did horrible things to you. Maybe you had your home taken away from you because of financial. I don't know what it is. But there's times in our life like that where, where you can think that God, with his mighty hand who reaches out over us, that he's withdrawn that from us. That he doesn't care about you anymore that your actions, that your sins, that your pain, that your shame has made him turn his back on you. But that is not the God that we, we talk about here. That is not the God that is represented in the scriptures. The God that we talk about is a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a God who, is, who has made his number one priority a relationship with us. It's a God who is willing to do anything and everything in order to get our attention, even the giving of his only son. 
so that we might be reconciled to him. The thing that happens, we allow life and its circumstances to blow us back and forth and we, we blame God for things we shouldn't blame him for and we, we wonder why he didn't answer things he should have answered and, and all the while we're missing the point. The hand is always there. His presence is always there. We can count on him always and that's what Romans chapter 8 reminds me of. Begins in verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these, these things about God being with us always, that he cares about us, that his power is with us, that his Holy Spirit surrounds us? What should we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? I want to ask you that question. If God is on your side, what are you worried about? If God is your friend, then who else can pick on you? If God has said, I am going to take care of you, then why do we continue to worry? Again, don't mishear me. You're going to have problems. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have temptations. There's going to be storms that blow in your life. But the, the thing we can remember is God is on our side. And he's bigger than those things. They're temporary. Even death has no power over us. Because even in death, all that is is an ultimate healing. You can, take my, you can take my physical life, but you haven't done anything. All you've done is taken me to my reward. Where I now have no more pain, no more sorrow, no more. I get to be in the presence of my, my Savior and God. You, you have not accomplished anything except hur hurrying the process to where I don't have to deal with life anymore. There is nothing that we need to be afraid of with God on our side. It says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us? Satan, the accuser. Who, what power does he have in our life? Who, who, can, who can accuse us or, or pull us away from his presence? He says, no one. For God himself has given us right standing. So who can condemn us? Who can sentence us to hell? Who can sentence us away from him? Who can say we don't deserve God? No one, because God is the one who says, I'm giving you heaven. I'm giving you relationship. I'm giving you reward. I'm giving you peace. I'm giving you grace. I'm giving you love. You can't, all you have to do is accept it. No one can take it from you. No one can take those things for us, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he's seated at the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Is there anything that makes God withdraw his hand? Is there anything in life where he says, enough, I've had it with you. You've sinned too many times. I've given you too many chances. Is there anything that makes him withdraw his hand from our lives? And the answer is absolutely not. No. Emphatic in the Greek. No. That's Greek. No. It is. And the emphatic is may know. Yeah, you didn't know I went to seminary, did you? I do those in-depth word studies like that every once in a while. 
But can anything ever separate us from God's love? The answer is no. He says no. Despite all of the things that come about us, despite all the overwhelming things that happen in our lives, despite all the evidence to the contrary that we might have in our experience, that we might have in our, in our own personal, that we might have in our own screwed up way of looking at life, despite all of that, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ. See, the power of the scripture is we know the ending. Evil has no reign here. Yeah, we're, we're living in the midst of it where it's playing itself out, but we know the end of the story. Evil has no power. God wins. The devil has no, no authority over us. Evil has no authority over us except what we allow it to have. We do not have to give in to temptation. We do not have to, get, do not have to give in to evil. We do not have to worry if the devil is stronger than us. We don't have to worry about the evil one because the story has been told. Jesus wins. Good wins out. Justice will prevail. There is nothing that we have to worry about. It says, verse 38, this is my favorite part right here. For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. You really mean nothing? I really mean nothing. Neither death nor life, angels or demons, our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, not even the very powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, as we end that prayer, as we say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen, what you're doing is putting an exclamation point at the end of your prayer that says, the reason I have just taken these things to you, God, is because you are the one and only place that I have a hope of receiving what I need. Because you are powerful, because you have a direction, because you have a will, and because you are glorious. Glory, I can't even, I, I could spend 10 minutes trying to describe glory to you. We have to go clear back to Hebrew and everything. And let me, just bright, shiny, awesome, wow. That's, that's my word lesson for you on that. We'll talk about that another time. Who else has that? Can you understand that when you understand prayer the way Jesus understood it, it's life-transforming? Because once you understand the power that it has, once you understand the God that's offering to it to you, once you have the, the ability to move from trying to get God to bless your plans to trusting God to lead you in your, in your life, once you get away from the steering wheel and allow him to take over and guide rather than be a consultant that comes, is called in every once in a while when we need some help, when you start to understand that, you start to unleash the power that the gospel has for us. You start to unleash the power that this loving God has to turn loose in your life. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. We're going we're gonna to end our service today by singing a uh, him, be thou my vision. But before we do that, I just want to make an invitation. If you are looking for a church family, 
You want a place that you can call home. You want a place that you can be nurtured and 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 encourage and strengthened so that you can you can grow in your Christian walk. We would love for this to be that place. We have two things that we talk about for membership. The first is the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength to love your neighbor as yourself. The second.